Good morning, man. Whew. It's still hot from Sunday. So, uh, um, hey, I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, a couple of things. One is I'm going to bear away too much of my financial plan and how I've gone south this morning. So uh, uh, I'm going to share some things with you this morning. I combined basically two messages for this message. Um, and then next week, Tom is going to come up and, and give him a message. You're going to actually hear an expert. Uh, speak. So that's going to be a, a great week to be here, and I want to encourage you men to, to let's just stay the course. I feel like this, this deal on the balanced life has been good for me, and uh, going through several of these objectives and making sure that we have a clear objective. I want to start with the questions this morning. You have some questions in front of you, and on those questions, I just want to kind of give an explanation of them first, and then after I explain them, it'll kind of help you know where we're going today. But the first one is, how do you prioritize the five ways we can use money? Now, I haven't gone over those five ways yet, but I'll go over those five ways here in just a minute. How do you prioritize those? And then what are ways that we can move towards God financially? What would that look like if we were to move towards God financially? What, what kind of work would we do as his body, as men of God, if we were to move towards God financially? And I'm going to talk about how we move towards God with our finances this morning. Then the third thing, if you could do anything you wanted, and this is the important question, I need to give some explanation behind this one. If you could do anything you wanted, such as work, and make a reasonable, a reasonable amount to live out your life for Christ, what would you do and what would you make? Now those are big questions, and the reason why I asked those questions to you this morning is because what would you do and what would you make? Uh, here's the way we approach God is we approach God for the things we need. And so many times we approach God on a need-based uh, prayer. Um, I, was praying, I was praying this morning and praying for some needs that I feel like need to be met, right? Now here's the reason I ask that question. Sometimes it's okay to pray to God for what you want. If you want a better job, pray for a better job. If you want a better salary or a bigger salary, pray for that. And don't be afraid to put a number to that. What would it take? Well, for me, a quarter million a year. Why not? Now, don't worry, guys. I'm not. I'm a pastor, okay? I'm a realist. You need to see my resume. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, well, if you saw that, you might pay me a lot less. Anyway, so, so what would it be? Because here's the thing. I believe God wants us to dream. I believe he wants us to make. I mean, John Wesley's the one who said, make all you can so you can give all you can so you can be in a place in life so that you can be a giver. And you won't have to just pray over your need, but you're, you, you're praying over what you would really like to have, like to make. I, I think one of the frustrating things in life, men, is that men come together and, uh, and we pray over our needs, we pray over our miseries, we pray over our wives. Not that our wives are our miseries, okay, I'm just saying. But, but uh, we, we sometimes don't pray for what we want. And I think we miss there because God puts dreams in us. And those dreams are things that we should pray for. And it's not wrong to put an amount. You may say, well, I, God may not want me to, you know, would I steward that well, whatever. Well, if you want, then, you know, uh, then don't pray for that. But I don't think it's wrong for you to pray for what you want and, uh, and the amount that you feel like would be a healthy amount, not only for you to be healthy in a place financially, but also be in a healthy place in order to give. 
All right, makes sense? So that's going to help kick us off this morning. That's what these questions in front of you are about. I wanted to start there because if you just read them, right now you might have, have some, some questions. What do you mean, pray for what you want, not necessarily for what you need? It's okay. Some of you may, may want a million dollars a year. Pray for it. Sounds kind of crazy, but I would have a, have a, I would have a giving plan. And you're going to see how that unfolds here in just a minute. So we've talked about, about quite a bit of things over the last few weeks but I just want to start right here you can basically do five things with your money now we're going to be wrapping this up like I said next week so uh, talking about this balanced life and what we can do there's basically only five things you can do with money you can spend it you can repay debt that one's not a whole lot of fun you can pay taxes everyone likes to jump in there and pay taxes right save it or you can give it that's basically the five things that you can do with your finances it's generally the order that we manage it in as well. So look, if we were going to manage those five things, this is oftentimes how it looks like, men. It looks like we're going to, we're going to make a paycheck and then we're going to spend. We're going to repay debt. We're going to pay taxes. We're going to save it. And the last thing that's on our list is give it. So we have to be careful. Two things that govern what percentage goes towards those five categories are basically priorities or self-control priorities or self-control and self-control uh, is the hard one because I can prioritize on paper really well if you saw my budget you'd be like man you guys you know y'all y'all have it together but then if you look at my financial statements you're like please don't how come what happened well uh, self-control lack of priorities maybe so but here when you look at the five things that you can do with money this is what it amounts to it amounts to if we spend, if that's the first thing on our list, I mean, spend, repay debt, pay taxes, save it, give it. This is, this is what it looks like. Me first, me second, America third, me fourth, and God and others last. Just, just look at that list there. I know there's only one list in front of me. I probably should have made a list for everyone this morning. But basically, if you spend, repay debt, pay taxes, save it, give it, it, it means me first, me second, America third, just because you have to, right? Me fourth, and God another's last. The, give, the giving is oftentimes last. It's, it's the remainder. It's the leftovers. And that's what happens with a me first approach. It leaves us giving God and others our leftovers. It doesn't stop us from asking God to provide, to bless us, to provide work, to sell houses, um, to whatever our tuition is. God, I need you to, to, to bless. I put that in there for our college guys, and they're not here this morning. A bunch of slackers. Anyway, put that in there, right, to help us pay our tuition and all kinds of things, right? We want him involved as a helper, but that's not necessarily very honoring. The way you prioritize your personal finances represents either an open door or a closed door to your Heavenly Father. That's what it represents. So this priority system, spend, debt, taxes, save, and give, is basically a closed door to God. And so we keep asking, we keep asking, we keep asking for our need, and we're not asking for our want because we can't get past our need. In the Old Testament, let's look at this real quick, priorities reflect the condition of the heart. And, and honestly, in the Old Testament, God is always speaking towards the Israelites, trying to show them His heart for them and hoping that they gain a heart for Him. So around 400 B.C., there's a prophet Malachi, you probably know this prophet he writes a, a letter to the leaders of Israel and he's basically scathing them 
right? He accuses them of bringing their leftover, their diseased animals to sacrifice, animals they would never present to a human ruler. They were dishonoring God, yet wondering why they weren't experiencing God's activity. They, they were no longer hearing God speak in their lives. They were giving to some degree, but their priorities were out of order. Malachi 3.7, going to start right here. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and you have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Now, let me stop right there and flip that over to the New Testament. In New Testament scripture, how do we read that? Now, here God says, return to me, and I will return to you. Any of you heard or read anything like that in the New Testament? What about draw near? Good. Draw closer, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So there are ways of doing that. He goes on in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, How have we robbed you? See, this, these people have lost their spiritual fervor. They don't, uh, they're not bringing their best, they're bringing their last. They're bringing their leftovers to God. Now, think about church for just a minute. Have we ever brought our leftovers to God? I'll give you some great examples. Man, I, I was a youth director for years and, and working in youth ministry for years. And one of the things that was very common is when people wore their couches out, where did they want to go with them? <laughs> the youth department. One, because you have strong backs, right? So they could actually show up at the church and know that Curtis back then, I was young, you know, and Curtis and a couple of his high school students could unload that couch, could unload that used furniture, worn out furniture, take it back into the youth department and put it in one of the rooms. And I wound up with a ton, when I was at Canyon, a ton of, of used up furniture. I was actually asking for it. Hey, if anybody's got some furniture, we'd love to, you know, give the kids something to hang out on. Now, I get it because here's the thing. Uh, kids are not, not all kids are taught to be respectful. <laughs> we do that here, but to be respectful, right, with furniture or other people's things and so we knew it was going to be abused even more than it had but here's the the thought sometimes the seed that we sow is that we can bring our leftovers our seconds if you will to church when we were renovating this that's one of the things that that I really went over with Brett and we talked about look we don't want this this place to look like it has seconds we want it to be first because it's it belongs to the Lord we talked about the type of lights that we would put in here. We talked about the types of chairs, the color of the chairs, the color of the carpet. How can we make it look like a home? First fruits belong in God's place, in God's house. And so uh, sometimes we, we tend to look at God that way. We think, well, you know, I've worn this out, but it's still got some use. It's still got some wear. Let's, uh, let's take it down there and see if the church wants it. Sometimes that's okay. You know, if it's a freezer that's going to go in the back, we, we have a used freezer that was donated from a family uh, back here in the back. Works great. You don't know where it's at. Uh, you don't necessarily see that. But, but things that others see, we want to show that our will is towards God, is towards God first. See, in your tithes and contributions, here's the thing. Here's the way it should look. And this is very easy, and I've said this <clears throat> a couple of times throughout this little mini-series here. First tithe. 10%, and I'll tell you how in the Old Testament it worked. They had a first tithe and they had a second tithe. We think just having a first tithe is bad. I, I've shared this story before, but I had a pastor, Richard Bells, call me into his office one day and said, how much do you want us to take out of your check? And I was like, well, what does that mean? 
And he said, well, uh, what percentage? A tithe means 10%. And he began to teach me. And I said, well, I thought the government already took their part. You know, what is this additional tithe? And he wound up taking, uh, uh, I started with 7%. Even though it's not what the word tithe meant, I, I, you know, one thing about Malachi, he says, the Lord says, test me in these things. And so I just tested him, 7%. So we started with 7%. Eventually, the next year, we moved it up to 10%. Now, I want you to know, in the Old Testament, this, they, they had a first tithe and they had a second tithe, meaning that 20% went to the Lord. And this is how it looked. The first tithe, 10%, went to the temple to pay the priest to keep the sacrificial system going, all those types of things. So the first tenth, they brought into the house of the Lord. The second tithe that they had, they would save up 10%. Then once a year, they had a national party. And you took your 10% that you saved to celebrate a feast honoring God. So you took this 10% and, and you put it towards the big feast, the big, the big party, if you will, that celebrated the Lord. Every third year, the, the money that was normally given to the national party was distributed to the people in need in the community. So every third year, that additional tithe that you set back you would bring it and, and help support the poor, the hungry, um, the crippled, the diseased. They didn't have a government that took care of them. So they were called to take care of their people. Now, so this helps you understand verse 9. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. And at this time in their history, they had drifted from honoring God. Their priorities were out of order. And look, we do this too. You know, in some ways, their church brought it upon themselves. And if we're not careful, men, this is why we've got to teach this stuff. We'll bring these things upon ourselves as well. God will simply be second instead of first in our lives. You may say, you know, I'm, I've, we've been in this series for, for five weeks. Even uh, these, I combined, like I said, two messages for this message. And, and uh, last night was going through this and just thinking, if we're not careful to sow the right kind of seeds, God will always get our seconds. And there are tons of churches that are barely surviving. Here's why. Because they've not taken time to teach God's word, his principles. It not only blesses the church, but I want you to hear me. It blesses you. God wants it for you so that he is first in your life. So here we go. Verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test. So here he is. By the way, the only place in Scripture where the Lord says, test me, is right here. He says, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Now, I love that. You know, when there's no more need, here's what you can begin to pray for. You can begin to pray for what you want. See, our needs tend to take over our prayer life. But God would love to hear his people. You know, I love for my children to come to me and say, what, Dad, I want more so than I need. And I get both, by the way. Uh, My girls, Emma and Hadley, can wear out a pair of shoes faster than anybody I know. I'm serious. They'll have them three days and the plastic's already coming off the front of them. And I'm like, what do y'all do? I mean, do you walk on your toes? Do you run and just skid with your feet down? like that? How do you tear shoes up like that? You know, well, Dad, we need another pair. Now, really, it's a couple months later, three months later. We need another pair. That's a need, right? We're not getting another pair. <laughs> now, one day, hopefully, our household will be at a place where you can get what you want. 
But, but here's the thing. We, we tend to see our needs, and we immediately go for those needs. So this is what he's saying, where there's no more need. It's full. So how about this? You start praying not only for what you want, but for what the world possibly needs. And they, needs more, they need more of God. Malachi is saying that God has promised if Israel will honor him, he'll simply honor them. If Israel will move towards God, God will move towards them. If Israel will prioritize his kingdom, he'll take care of them. God says to Israel, I want to move, I want to move in your direction. So how do we do that? We put him first. Jesus, more than anything he speaks about, this is kind of wild, he speaks about money. Of all the things that he speaks about, he, the, the majority of things that he speaks about, he speaks about money. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. And he, he, he is trying to say, who's your caregiver? Is it finances or is it me? What does this look like? No one can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So where your investments are, watch, oftentimes are what you care most about. When we moved into this facility here. Now, uh, many of you have, have come here after the fact of the renovation and all, but before it was renovated, it was orange carpet. You've heard me talk about this. A little gray strip down the middle, uh, pews going that way. This wall wasn't here. There's actually a baptism and a stage back behind that wall. And uh, uh, it was just an old rundown building. And a friend of mine who was missionary overseas came here, and he visited us one Sunday, and he walked through. And uh, I was so proud to have a church building. I mean, I was just fired up even though uh the carpet hadn't been changed since i guess the building was new and and uh the coffee room didn't look like the coffee room and this was all boarded up and anyway so but i i couldn't see that because i was so excited that we had so much more room to grow in and i was back in my office and he came back there and i said dude what do you think about our church isn't it awesome and he just said are you serious and i said well yeah i'm i'm serious isn't this a cool place and he's like um, Curtis, you left Wolferth for this. And I said, well, I know, but we're not in a house, and we're not in that little building on I-27. We bought this place. And he said, well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, my personal opinion is, is that uh, it smells like an old church. That's the first thing I smelled when I came in the door. And it broke my heart. I was like, man, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, it just smells like, it smells like an old church, man. I mean, and, I, and when I come in today, I'm always trying to smell. Because I'm like, what is it smelling like today, right? But since we changed the carpet and everything else, God's brought to me his newness. Since we've drawn near to him, he's drawn near to us. And we have this, this great place, this great facility where we're able to worship the Lord in freedom. And so here's the thing. No one can serve two masters. Sometimes we get caught up even in our facilities, and we know that no facility can contain God, but we have to be responsible with what he's given us. That's what he's looking for in each and every one of us. Be responsible here. No one can serve two masters. They'll be devoted to one, you'll be devoted to money, or you'll be devoted to him. You can't serve both God and money. Matthew 6, 31, you know this. So we do not wor worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Those who, by the way, the pagans are those who don't know God or recognize God. And your heavenly Father's know, Father knows that you need them. 
But, in other words, in the meantime, while you're waiting in the gap, all right, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you, or all these things will be added to you as well. That's Jesus' promise. So let's talk about how we apply this for the next 10 minutes. Application. Um, Pastor Paul, some years ago, we actually, just prior to Pastor Paul, we had a, uh, we had a man by the name of Bruce Ammons who has a ministry called Conquering Debt God's Way. And while I was at Wolferth, we had him come in a couple times and actually teach his program. He's kind of the Dave Ramsey of the area, if you will. But he's a little more simpler than Dave. And then it was neat when I started meeting with Pastor Paul. He said, oh, yeah, we use Bruce a lot. He's come in here and he's taught us these things. Well, this is, this is what he's taught. He, taughts us how, he teaches us how to give, save, and live on the rest. That's the simplicity of the application that he gives us. Just simply to learn to be givers, learn to save, learn to live on the rest. So what that's going to do is it's going to be God-honoring. We're going to learn to prioritize God's interest financially and see it as an invitation to his activity in our life because he waits to be welcomed into our lives, and our finances can do that very thing. So the direction priority of my money reflects the direction and priority of my heart. To honor God, our priorities must represent His priorities, taking our cue from Jesus and, and then leading others to do the same. So look, if we were to flip this, uh, what would it look like? So you've got a list in front of you, the five ways your money can be used, right? If you were to flip that, what would that look like? You guys can look at it real quick. That's right, there you go. Give, save, pay taxes, repay debt, and spend. I don't like that list. Because there's just something, you know, there's just not, sometimes there's not enough, there's not enough money at the end of the month. I mean, there's not enough, maybe we should say it this way, not enough month at the end of the money. Or maybe there's too much month at the end of the money. I think that's the way it ought to be said. But, but uh, here's the truth. What would it look like if we were to give, save, pay taxes, repay debt, and spend? Or, simp- or to simplify, I'd say it this way. Give, save, and live. Give, save, and live. So give before you spend. Write that check first. Now, God, I want to make sure your kingdom and your concerns get funded first. I'll figure out a way to live on the rest. Now, men, this is a great, great thing to teach your wives because you may not have a problem with this, but your wife... Let's just be honest. She's going to be like, well, what? Huh? What are you talking about? I need to get my Monet shampoo. We've had that argument. Anyway, right? I mean, there are just some things that women, they, that, I mean, that they like, that they enjoy, that they do. And, men, it's a good opportunity for us to sit down. If you're not married today and you're dating or something like that, this is a great way to be a witness to your date and the direction of life that you want to go, that you want God to be the priority, the first in your left. No more leftovers for you. Give before you pay debt. Now that sounds crazy, but look at ways to get out of debt so that you can be a greater giver. So give before you pay debt. Write the next check. So the first check goes to God. Here's the second thing. I told you we were going to apply this this week. The second thing is Learn to write yourself a check. Save. Now, it should look like you're going to give 10% first, and then you would give yourself 10% second. 
Now, man, my father-in-law's here. I was hoping he wouldn't show up this morning. But Wink's here. Because I didn't want to disclose this in front of him. Over the years, this was very easy for Allison and I. When Allison and I first got married, and uh, she had a couple of years of college left, and when she graduated college, uh, she became a school teacher. So what we did, I didn't make a whole lot of money back then at all. I mean, I, we're talking about 1200 1300 a month at this time as a pastor. And uh, so, but I had found ways of living on that and trading cattle and some other things. So just finding ways to, to live on that. So what we did with her paychecks, we put 100% of it back into savings. And boy, we were just, I mean, the first two or three years, we're just knocking it out of the park. I mean, our savings was just going boom, boom, boom. And I was like, this is so easy. There is nothing to this. Well, then Wade was born, and he fell between two insurance policies. And that wasn't on my account. That, that was on the account of the uh, Methodist Church at that day and time. They were changing uh, insurance companies in January uh, the following year. So um, they changed insurance companies. I had a representative, and they said, don't worry about it. They're going to they're, they're gonna take care of it. They're gonna, just stack your bills. They're going to take care of it. So this representative kept telling me that. Three months later, I'm losing my credit. Boom, boom, because I'm not, none of these bills are getting paid. I went up here to the hospital. Uh, I went to the conference. I went before the bishop. I fought and fought and fought, and it never got paid. Now, he was, just to let you know what the expensive part was, it wasn't the birth. He was in Naku for nine days, or Niku. So you can imagine what that is. And that nice little savings pad that I had, gone you know what i had to do i had to go up here and tell them at bsa how much money we had and i said uh i'll write you a check for all of it if you'll let me off but i've got to do something and so we wrote a check for everything that we had i said his life's worth it we put it back for something right and by the way after that she can no longer teach because of his condition she had to take him into the doctor well for the first I don't know, six months, uh, at least three times a week, they were drawing blood. So um, she could no longer go back to work. So we were just crushed. We continued to pay 10%. Now 10% off 1300 bucks <laughs> isn't a whole lot of money, but we, we, that's what we could do. That's what we did. And we lived through that season of our life, and... Um, Years ago, when we moved back here, we, we started over again. And so uh, now, when we talk about give, save, live, our kids are very, very, there's four children that I have, and two of them are teenagers now, and teenagers are expensive. There's just no getting around. I don't know what to tell you. So here's where we are today. Uh, I, we give 10%, but the saving 10%, we're not able to do. I, I attempt to write a check, $100, $125 to ourselves right now. And that's, that's scary. I mean, we're living on faith right now. Now, fortunately, we've had opportunities to uh, make some investments and in some different things. So I came in and went into Lyle's office the other day, and I said, Lyle, what, Lyle, what are these worth? On the outside of the envelope, it said specialist house, which were... U.S. savings bonds that I bought when I was a specialist <laughs> in the United States Army. Years and years and years. Actually, some of them I actually won 
just competing through for post soldier and soldier of the year and all that stuff as you won they would give you so many and I still I still had them in an envelope so Lyle pulled them up and said they're worth this much I said I gotta make an insurance payment <laughs> I guess now's the time right sometimes that's that's just the way life is man it's not easy for your pastor either but we're going to get back to a place where we can put that 10 percent back so my my point in saying this is do what you can we have not shorted god nor have we have we attempted to it's always his first 10 percent what i can save is what i can save what i have the ability to save that's what i save and then live on the rest now let me tell you about the church here the church uh I do the budget, uh, worked with Brett doing the budget this year, and as we went through the budget and everything, so what we do is we give 15%, and then we save 10%. So 25% of our budget, right, is that we're making right now, 25% of that we don't even operate on. We operate here on 75% of our budget. Because what we teach as individuals, we want to teach corporately. Does that make sense? So that's, that's what we do here. And then the, the last thing is simply live on the rest, right? Learn to adjust. It's good to think percentage and not just dollars, by the way. So my goal is always percentages. Um, we're up to giving 12%. And uh, so I've, I've always looked to increase that. We should be at about 15 to 16%. Had I done some things right, I've made mistakes too. We give about 12% right now, and then we're not able to set, set back to 10% in this season of our life right now. And, and uh, then live on the rest, right? So try to think percentages to your income. Because the truth is, you're living off some percentage right now. You don't know what it is, so why not choose it instead of allowing government and consumption to choose it for you? And yeah, we still have to pay taxes, and by the way, as a pastor, I'm self-employed, just so you know, all right? Um, and nothing's easy. So, Mark 12, 43 for, through 44. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. I've only seen that happen a couple of times. Uh, one time a man, uh, actually, uh, his wife left him. Uh, he was in a, in a terrible place in life. He's in a great place today, but at that particular time, uh, she left him. They didn't have anything. He lost his job. He had nothing to live on. He went through his couches, his sofas. Matter of fact, he cleaned out everything that he had and put it all in a little Ziploc baggie and brought it into my office and poured it out on my desk and said I'm done I don't have anything else that's all I have and I've only seen that and it made it, it reminded me of this story of the widow coming in and bringing he sold he sold his couches his furniture his bed his only thing he had was rent he slept on the floor got an air mattress but he poured the rest of everything he had out and he said pastor i'm done i don't know what to do then i said i i'll pray for you you know i'll pray for you um today he goes to trinity fellowship over here i don't want to mention his name and he's been restored and not with his wife uh she went on but he's been restored in some very very healthy ways and we may have him come and give a testimony one day but i want that to come from him and not from me you see she gave out of her poverty well 
it's, it's good to give out of your wealth. It's great to give out of your poverty. The, the point here is, is that she gave because she saw putting what it meant to put Christ first. So sometimes flipping your priorities, it's simply an invitation. I want to encourage you to try it. Learn to take notes. Remember, we did the one week where we watched our money, and I had Allison actually keeping receipts through that week as well. Pay attention to what happens. Learn to journal. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. It's pretty simple. I mean, when you put it on paper in that way. So uh, there's a poor mentality and there's a rich mentality. But here's the thing about a poor mentality and a rich mentality. Both can never have enough. And there's no balance in either. Now here's where we want to get in life. We want to get to a place where we really can pray beyond our need. And, and pray to a place of want. And not just want for us, but watch. Want for His kingdom. 